Welcome, Soul Tribe, to Deep Soul Awakenings with your hosts, Chastity Ryan and Millie Franco. Get ready to shed some light on the unspoken aspects of spiritual and healing journeys. Hey, guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Deep Soul Awakenings. We're your host, Chastity Ryan. And Millie Franco. What's up, everybody? Welcome back, Soul Tribe. So we're back at it again with part two of they love me they love me not and I love this Millie because you named it Mm -hmm. (laughs) you named it I think a real fitting title here yeah I I thought of I thought of like what we were talking about and for some reason I kept like you know when you pick the plot the flower petals and it's like he loves me he loves me not and I was like Mm -hmm. yeah it kind of feels like that but then I also wanted to be like, yeah, not everybody is like filling a he or a she. So we're just going to go with they, you they, know? Yeah. Person, you know, mm-hmm. to keep the PC up in here, you know, we're, we're very inclusive of, of course here. Yeah, so. we love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so we're on to part two and we covered a lot last week. We just kind of went in on our own experiences. We talked about codependency and then we got into the boom boom narcissism <laughs> yeah and I felt like that was a heavy one that part right everybody wants to know like what are narcissistic traits or how do you know if am I dealing with a narcissist and yeah. and some it I mean in essence it's a spectrum there are people that are high up on the narcissistic spectrum and others that are lower Honestly, I mean, from a psychological standpoint, we all have narcissistic traits. And this is a thing to consider. None of us are exempt of narcissistic traits, guys. We all have them. Mm -hmm. However, what we're talking about is people who are known to have a narcissistic personality disorder, or uh, they're more on the sociopathy, they're more on the toxic level of narcissism, Mm -hmm. where it is draining of your energy where it's just downright abusive on all aspects yeah very them centered very very like it uh, to me when I think of a narcissist I think of like only in their mind only they matter Mm -hmm. um you know only how they feel only their perception um so what what do you think when people ask like um I've heard before when it's like oh well if you if somebody were to ask you, am I a narcissist? And it's always like the responses as well. If you were a narcissist, you wouldn't be asking if you were a narcissist. That's true. Statistically, most narcissists will not even fathom the idea that they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that normally would not be a question they would ask. Am I narcissistic? Am I? Because in their mind, nothing's wrong with them. They are perfect. Yeah. Yeah. They're the one thing that will let you know you're dealing with someone who's high up there in the narcissistic spectrum is they're not flawed in any way. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are just fine as they are. If not, they're exceptional. And I think that's sort of one of the early red flags, usually like with a, what they call an overt narcissist is someone that is very grandiose in nature someone who thinks that they're, they're the best thing since sliced bread and yeah. no one can 
And, and in essence, people consider that charismatic, right? People consider that, oh, this person's charismatic, this person's confident. Mm-hmm. But you can see later on how that would be a problem. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, um, you know, like motiv- motivational speakers are charismatic. Mm-hmm. And when they speak to you, um, I know, especially for me, being an empath, I can kind of feel what resonates with me, what what feels right, and what doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like in my relationships with narcissists, because um, that was a pattern, there there goes that core womb trauma, you know, I was, that was my go-to for some reason. But I get it now, because it was a lot of reflection and low self-worth and things that I needed to heal in order to get past it. But I feel like in those relationships, when I first met them and I first interacted with them, deep down, something would always tell me like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. This, 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 feel, this feels weird or this seems too good to be true. And it probably is. And I would always tell myself to shut up. So I feel like in a lot of instances in the beginning, especially for people who have walls up, you may tell yourself like, oh, no, I can't do this. This doesn't feel right. But I think the key indicate, indicator for a lot of us is as you continue to speak to this person, as, as you continue within this relationship, if that thought keeps coming into your head, then it's there for a reason. And it's something that you should listen to because that's literally like your gut, your intuition telling you like, hey, this is going to end badly for you. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, most of the time we don't follow our intuition. Uh, we question it, we doubt it. And I know so many times when I had encountered what they call malignant narcissists is the fact that I had second guessed myself every time. Every time something would, you know, my spidey sense would go off and I'm like, oh, this is not right, but maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm being too sensitive. That would always kick my ass later on because I would realize that I knew early on, I just ignored the red flags. And I think it's because like we talked about the charis- the charismatic nature, the charming nature of a narcissist. And most of the malignant narcissists are very charming and very yeah. charismatic. And they know exactly what to say and do to make you doubt your senses, you know, make you uh question yourself yeah and, and i the questioning yourself wanted for me it's like beep 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 beep, beep oh like yeah light bulb because yeah. like i remember one of my relationships it would be little things that he would do to make me doubt myself um you know and in the moment i didn't realize what it was doing but then in the grand scheme of things now i'm like whoa mind fuck um it would be like, I would ask him to do something or like to put something away or to do something for me. And then when, let's say if I asked him to put something away and I would ask for it for like a week later, you never asked me to put that away for you. I never even seen that. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Are you sure that you asked me to put that away? Because I'm pretty sure that you didn't ask me anything. Cause if you did, I would remember. And then I would sit there and be like, well, shit, did I, did, did I ask him to put this away? And then I'm like checking my email. Like, did I actually buy this thing that I asked him to put away for me? Like, did this actually get here? And it started like this pattern in my mind where everything that I was doing, I was second question, like second guessing myself. So it was like, it got to the point where 
I was feeling like I couldn't trust myself in anything. And I, and I couldn't trust myself to do anything because I felt like I had become so absent-minded that I wasn't remembering little things. And from there, it ended up being like a downward spiral into like depression and not trusting myself and feeling like he knew better than I did when it came to things that I was able to do in ways that I was able to function way before I even met him. But him just putting these seeds of doubt in my head about myself allowed him to just gain so much power over me and it was like and in making me doubt myself it was like well I know best and this is what it is and it was like after a while I started to believe that shit so it's like I I would say for me too like red flag like if this person is making you doubt yourself or making you feel like if you're forgetful when you know you did something like that's definitely like red flag like pay attention to it yeah and in essence it's a form of gaslighting the questioning and thinking you're crazy and the crazy making I had an experience with with an uh, ex someone I dated and the crazy making was just above and beyond like I never had someone do this we had went on vacation we went on a vacation to the Caribbean and I remember he had some money some cash in an envelope because there were some places on the island was uh, it was cash only they didn't accept card so he had I remember he would withdrew some money put it in the envelope and he had it in his suitcase and I remember going on a tour with him and it was a, a group tour with people and he said he lost the money. Mm-hmm. I was scrambling, looking for it. The, pe- the group of people we were with were looking for it. We got back in the, the tour van. Oh, so he had everybody fucked up. Yeah, so everybody was like, people were starting to get defensive. Hey, I didn't take your money, man. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. Everybody was just sort of on edge about this money being missing because, you know, at this point, it was like everyone's a suspect, you know, anybody could have taken, right, anybody could have taken the money. So fast forward to later in the evening, I'm in the hotel room and I'm determined, Millie, I am determined to look for this money because I'm like, I saw it, I saw it in his suitcase this, this morning, it, it has to be there. So I'm looking and I'm digging and digging and digging and it was never missing. It was dug in deep in his suitcase, like in the bottom. Oh Lord. And after all that commotion, what, 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 did, what, did, what, what was his response to this? He's sitting outside with someone that was also in, in the resort and they're having a drink outside. And I'm like, Hey, look what I found and it didn't look like he misplaced it you know what I'm saying it looked like he planted it in the bottom wow okay and when I told when I found it and I you know you know like a lot of Caribbean houses have those Miami windows right that they have like the so I opened and here it. Here you I, are excited as hell because you're like, and I'm like, look what I found money. and everything. And he's all like, oh, like he wasn't even happy about it. Like if oh, anything, no. if anything, he was annoyed. 
Yeah. Because I'm over here feeling bad the, the entire day, mind you. And I'm like, listen, I'm really sorry this happened to you. Don't worry. I'll cover, you know, whatever we need to cover for the rest of the vacation, whatever, whatever. And he's all for it. He's like, yeah, spend, spend the money on me. Please do. Right. Well, my money is in my suitcase so that, you know, I can go home with this money and you go home broke by all right. means. Right. That was, that was the intention. And also the fact that it drew attention to him and had everyone yeah. scrambling, looking for it, mm -hmm. had everybody feeling away. Like, you know, I didn't take your money, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm not a thief. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to think, you know, like the, the driver of the van was very defensive. He was like, look, I, I didn't see no envelope here. If I did, I would have given it to you. I, I you know, I would yeah. never do something like that. And and that goes to show you the effect that, you know, making people question themselves, the effect that he right. had on people as a whole. The frenzy, the, it just snowballed. Mm -hmm. And the one who got the brunt of it, of course, was me because I was with him. And not only did it draw attention to him, it drew attention to me. Yeah. Because I'm with him, so maybe I'm the one who took it. Yeah, no. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's in their head. <laughs> everybody's spiraling. Everybody's. It, it caused a spiral. Yeah, everybody was just spiraling. And then when I saw how neatly tucked it was in his suitcase, Millie, I was just like, he never lost it. My girl, my intuition was at a thousand at that point. I'm like, this was never misplaced. This was kept there. Yeah, this was calculated. And he, it, it was definitely calculated because it was all the way in the bottom of his clothes. Like he didn't want it to be seen. Yeah. Uh, assuming that you wouldn't go searching. But I, I was determined. I, something, something within me was like, I know he has this money. I know he does. It's yeah. not lost. He has it. Yeah. And I mean, we, I feel like we feel things like that. I know for me too, like, um, in talking about intuition, I've been in relationships where I didn't have proof that the other person was cheating on me, but I knew it. Mm -hmm. I knew it. Um, yeah. and then it was like, as soon as, as soon as the thought would come up in my head, like, Hey, um, I feel like this energy is off. Like, I, I think he's, cheating on me it, it would always be where like after the evidence would like fall into my lap very easily I wouldn't even have to look hard it would always be right there um and then one thing that I've noticed dealing with narcissists it was always like yeah I cheated on you but I cheated on you because you weren't giving me what I needed and you weren't being who I needed you to be and giving me what I needed you to give me so I had to fulfill myself somehow in other words it was your fault I cheated yeah yeah. And I feel like in the beginning, you know, when I wasn't used to, not used to, but I wasn't as familiar with this energy, I would really sit there and think to myself, like, wow, you know, like, I'm not giving this person what they need. And, you know, I love this person. So, you know, I can forgive the cheating because it was my fault. Let me keep pushing myself. Let me keep giving more so that I can make this person feel fulfilled. And you see how it goes with what I was saying in the beginning, where they're never wrong. Mm -hmm. They're never flawed. They never make mistakes. Even if they do the most insidious shit to you. It was your fault. It's never you made their them fault. Do it. Yeah. There is zero accountability. And, and, and I remember talking about that last week. And that always being a huge red flag. When they 
can never hold themselves accountable for anything they do. They can never admit that they're wrong. It's it, and they always deflect or yeah. they make it your fault. Yeah. And it's like also they create these like situations where it, it, it paints them in a higher picture. And even if this is not what happened, this is what they believe that happened. So this is what they believe. There is no other way, you know, their their perception of it is the only perception of it. And your perception of it is a thousand percent wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like for anybody out there who's in this kind of relationship, when somebody wants to be with you and somebody loves you, they're they're not going to cheat on you to get what they need. They're going to communicate with you. They're going to talk to you. They're going to try to hash things out so that you guys can find middle ground. You know, they're going to look for ways for you guys to get past this so that you both feel fulfilled because it's not one sided, you know, and if anybody does have a partner that is trying to communicate and you guys are, you know, working at doing better, love languages is definitely something that you can look, look into. Because a lot of times we all have different love languages and what may be showing love to one person may be completely different for another. Like I know for me, showing love for me is like acts of service, doing things for me, showing up for me. But then physical touch for me is very low. And I remember in one of my previous relationships, like his love language, number one, a thousand percent was physical touch. And mm-hmm. it was like in the beginning, we struggled because we couldn't understand how to give each other the love in the way that we needed. And then after figuring out our love languages, things shifted, at least on my end, because I was just like, oh, well, physical touch, I'm going to freaking hug you all day. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but then for that person, because they weren't there yet and they weren't in that aspect of reflecting and, and trying to change anything about themselves yet, it was only one-sided and it wasn't reciprocal. Those are the things that you really need to look at. Is this relationship that I'm in? a reciprocal exchange or is it just me giving and giving and giving right and that's usually indicative of dealing with someone who is on that spectrum because they can never bring themselves to reciprocate anything because it's about them and this goes all across the board whether it's something it's a romantic connection a friendship or you know we talked about this last week they could even show up in your family yeah and a lot of us that's our first experience of a narcissist in our family yeah Yeah. it's just something that's hardwired in them it's always about them and their needs and that's all that matters yeah i wanted to ask you something too though chas um around codependency can you give me like an example of what it was like to be in like one of your relationships, not necessarily romantic and be in a codependent relationship. Like what, what was that like? Oh, yeah. I would say it's the, the enmeshment that was stifling. That was the most crippling aspect of it being enmeshed with a person and feeling like if I didn't have that with them, all was lost kind of thing it was very all or nothing Mm -hmm. and that's what it felt like all the time and the moment I wasn't doing what I felt that they wanted I would get punished for it Mm -hmm. 
And then it just became, well, this is what I deserve. And that just was a tape that kept replaying over and over in everything, you know, at the workplace, in my friendships, in my relationships. And it took me much soul searching and reading and all kinds of research, learning about what codependency is. I think the one eye-opening moment for me was when I read, read the book Codependent No More by Melody Biotti. That book is heavy, guys. I'm just going to tell you right off the gate. If yep. you want to read the book, start slow yeah. because I'm yeah, going to keep 100. By the second chapter, I was I was in pieces, okay? Because in two chapters, my whole entire life was summed up between my relationship with my parents, my, my, my childhood, how I just wanted to feel a sense of belonging, a, a sense of uh, just nurturing and love and all those things that I craved and feeling like I had to give so much of myself in order to just get a crumb of that. I think the biggest thing was crumbs, me always accepting crumbs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that goes back, you know, we're, we're raised a lot of times in codependent relationships, like literally from the start with our parents, you know, and that pretty much shapes us for what our relationships are going to be like from there on, you know, the, the reflections of what it is that we're receiving is going to end up being what the energy that we're giving. And for a lot of us, it's like, we grow up thinking that the crumbs is all we can get. Yeah. You know, and in in doing this work and in doing the inner work and in reflecting, you start to get to a place where you realize, like, I am worth so much more than fucking crumbs. Like, I am worth a whole plate plus the appetizer and the dessert and all of the extra things that I want and that nice little drink that I'm going to have with it, too, because shit, you matter so freaking much. Like, you bring so much to the table as the person that you are and you know, growing up in these codependent relationships, it just, it, it teaches us otherwise. And it's, to me, it's like, oh, it's freaking crazy. It's insane. And, you know, looking back at when I was really like in a, in a codependent space, I think like when I was rock bottom with it was when I would just revere a person who would throw these crumbs at me. Oh my God, this person is so amazing. I mean, look all they do for me. Like those pedestals yeah. that we create, mom. We, yes, I would revere this person, put them up on a pedestal and they were only giving me the fucking bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. This was, this was what was astounding to me because my belief system was that that's all I deserve. Yeah. And they're, I, meet, and they're meeting that. Therefore- They must in, be amazing. <laughs> In yeah. that, in the midst of all that, I'm telling myself my needs are met because they're giving me the bare minimum because I've told myself my most of my life that that's all I deserve. Yeah. So if they're meeting the bare minimum, then I'm getting what I need, yeah. right? And then meanwhile, you still feel like shit. Right. Because there was always something that felt off, lacking. It always right? felt off. Like off, yes. like lacking. Something was always lacking. And I'm like, I'm asking for too much. And that's the thing. I think another really huge red flag that you're dealing with someone who's high up on the narcissistic spectrum is someone who manages down your expectations 
mm-hmm. right? Listen, this is what it's going to be. And it's always the, you know, what I call the situationship. Listen, let's just go with the flow. Let's, yeah. let's see where things go. Yeah. and let's let's let it let's let it go organically and see where we end up you know and you don't see anybody else but I'm gonna see whoever I want because you know <laughs> I need to keep my options open yeah yeah they and then when you you know a couple of months pass and you want to know where you stand with this person oh but I told you you know like for us to just go with the flow yeah, yeah so it's like you're you're you're, you're, sleeping rush, you're rushing me yeah you're sleeping in my bed we are connected in so many different ways like you don't want me to see anyone else you're all up in everything that's pretty much me right but I'm moving too fast it needs to go organically I need to slow down you're you're putting pressure you're pressuring me yeah and now when I think about it I'm like oh my god girl kick that motherfucker out your house send him to hell like you know take that bs over there right like mm -hmm. like honey like you don't want me trust me when i tell you there's going to be somebody that comes along that is going to be all about me and i'm going to be happy and it's going to feel great but being in those situations when you're used to the bare minimum it's like oh oh okay like i guess so you know i really like this person so let me just, you know, go go with it and see where it goes. And it's like, honestly, speaking as a person who has went with it so many times, it goes nowhere. It goes to heartache. <laughs> Say that again for the people in the back. Yep, literally goes nowhere. For those of you yeah. who are into tarot, that's that freaking three of swords right into the damn heart, heartbreak, freaking horrible pain. Ten of swords you know? is dead in the water, okay? When they, <laughs> yes. when they give you that okey-doke story of, you know, let, you're pressuring me, I need more time, and it's like six months in. I actually, because this is me, all right? Always wanting to pick a person's brain, especially like my male friends. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we just need a male perspective on things, right? Mm-hmm. So I had put up a poll on social media and this was just for forgot for a, a, a guy's perspective right yeah but because in my experience it was mostly guys that I that I had this experience with that they would just yeah. kind of string me along yeah. you know and what I'm saying? being in your masculine energy the people that you had around you were mostly men <laughs> right <laughs> so fits. so the question was this the question was for for all the men that are in established relationships or even married, when did you know that this person was the one? When did you know that this was the person you wanted to settle down with? Yeah. Right. And I, I answer to this. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I would say about 80%, a good chunk said I knew very early on. Yeah. I knew within a couple of weeks, I knew within less than three months, I, they, a lot of, some said I knew within the first couple of dates. Yeah. Okay. So my wheels started turning. So here I am in a situationship with this person, seven and a half months. You stand there like this motherfucker. And (laughs) I'm over here like, I need more time and you're pressuring me. And I thought we were just going with the flow. And I'm like, okay yeah Yeah. this this is this is bullshit 
Yeah. Okay. And then I remember the first time when, and it was scary. It's scary when you make changes, right? When you break the cycle. I'm yeah. going to tell every, for everyone that's listening, breaking the codependent cycle is scary as fuck. There's no percent. other way of explaining it. Thousand percent. It's a scary thing because it's something that's out of your comfort zone. Okay. Yeah. You've been riding that merry-go-round pretty much your whole relationship life. And now here you are taking a stand. Yeah. And oh there goes God. your ego trying to protect you. Hey, it's okay. Oh. It's normal. You're comfortable. Just stay here. At least it's familiar. You know. Are you and sure you like, want to do this? Mm-hmm. And then all, you know, what, what we've been talking about are the core wounds and all this stuff, the abandonment issues. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you really want to lose another person? Be- oh, that one for me was every single time that I was like, I cannot do this. I got to get this person out. I, I would hear a little voice in my head. Do you really want to lose another person? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you really want to feel that emptiness again? And I would yeah. be like, shit, do I really want to feel that emptiness again? And now, you know, all, all coming out of my hermit energy, I was just like, no, I'm ready to be by myself and reflect. Like, I'm ready to get rid of all of that shit. <laughs> to quote the Tyler Perry movie, I could do battle by myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was the mantra. Like, I could do bad all by myself. I don't need to be nuts with somebody and doing bad. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Shit, <laughs> I, can be un- I can be unhappy and miserable by myself. Why well, I got to be unhappy and miserable taking care of a freaking person too. Like, right. I feel like that for me was the biggest thing that it was always where I would, it would like I, like recently, um, before the last time that I woke up, you know, I was in such a bad place. I was super depressed and I couldn't function. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to shower. I didn't want to do nothing. But you know, the the, the person that I was and the nurturer that I was, I, I used to get up and suck it up and take care of everybody anyway. And then it was like one day I woke up and I was like, well, shit, I don't want to fucking take care of an extra person no more. I'm like, I'm done. Like, right. I'm I'm scared as fuck to get out of this relationship and do what I have to do. But you know what? shit it's got to be easier because I don't have a whole nother person to take care of so I'm going to take a leap of faith and say that it's going to be okay and I did and I never looked back and let me tell you I am I'm in a place right now that I couldn't even have imagined three years ago right I took I took a stand the first time I actually broke the cycle now that we're talking about this it happened about four years ago and I was dating a guy steadily for almost, yeah, like I said, six, seven months. And again, every time I would have this conversation of where this was going, I would get the runaround with him. Yeah. I got tired. I kept feeling, remember when you said you felt like he, you know, you felt like they were cheating or they weren't being honest. Yeah. Some, my spidey sense would go off and I realized, okay, yeah, this, this person this person is not being honest with me. Uh, I found out that they had a different social media page and it was with other people. And I remember he told me over a holiday weekend, it was a labor day, I believe it was that he was going to be with a cousin at a family reunion or something along those lines. He was with someone else. Wow. 
Look at that. And you felt it. Yeah. And that's when I had my breaking point. I, that was my point of no return. And when I saw him that Tuesday, I was very calm and collected. I wasn't even pissed anymore. I was just like, I think that's when I just really detached and let go at this point. I'm like, this is not about him anymore. This is about me. Yeah. That's so funny that you say that too, because similarly in the same situation where I decided to let go, I was very calm about it. Very calm, open to having a discussion, but with the knowing that that was it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And something in me knew. And then when I found the receipts, I was just like, okay, this is there it. it is. I'm, not, I'm not a cook. I'm not cuckoo. Yeah. I'm not a cuckoo bird. I've got the receipts now. I knew it and I knew it in my heart of hearts what this was. Mm -hmm. And and I told him, I said, listen, this is not working for me. Um, you and I are obviously looking for two different things. Uh, you don't seem like you want to settle down. And I want something, I, I want something long term. We want two different things. And yeah. it's just no point in going any further. And I was yeah. mad, like I said, very calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, because yeah, I feel and like I think at that's that point you're just like, why are you? Why, yeah. why, why feed this anymore? Why give this any more of my energy? I didn't, I didn't go there with the, like, I found your social media page and I no. found this bitch and yeah. that bitch. And this. No. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do none of that. Yeah. Either. It was kind of like, so here we are. This is what it is. And this is what it's going to be. No and scene. Like deuces. Right. And I chucked him to deuces and I told him, sorry, you know, this is not going to work. I'm not, this is not what I'm looking for. And I wish you well and all this stuff. I was mad chill about it. And I think that's what disturbed him the most that it wasn't no scene yeah. or it wasn't some dramatic yeah. end. It's like they want the reaction. They do. They, they do. want the reaction to, to, to kind of be able to paint you as that, as that picture that they've been giving everyone, you know? And when you're not giving them that reaction, you're not living up to what they want from you. Yeah. And I feel like that's the best way to kind of be like, yeah. Um, but I, let me, let me tell you, I, I did have my coup de gras. You know, I'm just going to say this quickly to wrap it up. I did have my coup de gras moment where I just kind of dug in there, but in the most subtle way, as yeah. I said. Uh, and I told, and he was like, oh, well, can't we be friends? Can no. I come over and bring movies? And, no. and I was Boundaries. like, well, no. You really didn't show up as a friend either yeah this is so. not what i consider a friendship either yeah and I, and I think that reciprocal and building those boundaries yeah. yeah building those boundaries and being like no you know what i'm not allowing you to have any more of my energy anymore so no i will not be around yeah. you i will not tolerate you you will not be in my space nothing <laughs> yeah i said i have all the friends i need but thank you yeah <laughs> thank you but thanks but no thanks think that was like the sucker punch to the gut yeah. for him. Yeah. you know what i mean yeah so i think we're guys we're definitely gonna have a uh, part three because we did not talk about boundaries we literally just touched on it um <laughs> and we really want to talk to you guys about boundaries and you know just honoring yourself and being true to yourself and you know what it even means to have boundaries um so we're definitely gonna continue with that explore more on that just speak a little bit more you know I feel like as we continue on this journey and we continue with this process and the reflections and really understanding who we are boundaries are definitely necessary to just hold yourself as sacred and hold your space as sacred and hold your energy as sacred 
really be true to what it is that you want to bring into yourself, but also what it is that you want to allow in your space. So on that note, with lots of love, because we love you guys so freaking much. Chas, do you, what do you say? Is it time for our polls? Yeah, absolutely. It Uh, is. So I'm going to let you go first because I think that you may be ahead of me slightly. (laughs) Yeah, take it away, honey. All right. So I am pulling from the Heal Yourself reading cards. And I thought these would be fitting for today. I'm sorry. You know, I'm just thinking about what I said earlier. And that was just, I just want to say that was a just real triumphant moment for me. Yeah. When I, when I chucked old boy the deuces and, and he was like, can't we be friends? And I'm like, I got all the friends I need. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, taking I'm just your power of... back. <laughs> and it feels damn good to take your power back. It does. It really does. Oof. So I'm just, I'm kind of reliving that moment right now. I how, see it. I see the happiness. That felt. <laughs> I see it, boo. I see it. <laughs> that felt hella good. Let me tell you. It was yeah a very empowering moment for me definitely and it just set it set the ball rolling because after that that's how it was but yeah we're we're going to definitely get into that next week uh, the whole boundaries thing yeah i agree i think it's necessary oh absolutely all right so let's see what i got here we have beauty oh i love that beauty The card is beautiful too. (laughs) It's beautiful, guys. Okay, so what I'm picking up from this card is you seeing the beauty of showing up for yourself, of standing up for yourself. And it is really a moment where you let yourself shine inward, both inward and outwardly. It is such a important part of this journey guys and beauty is just you know it's like i said it's not just surface inner mm-hmm. beauty what, what makes a person inner what what reflects inner beauty right is empathy compassion and those sort of things are what reflects that yeah and the energy that you are inside giving that to yourself like what I just explained was a moment where I let that shine and I felt amazing and I felt that and the beauty of it and let's just use the word beauty and the beauty of it was I didn't have to take it to a dark place I found my peace with it yeah and that's that's the beauty of this guys when you detach and you realize that I deserve more than what I'm getting sky's the limit right yeah thousand percent yeah and I really love this card I do it's beautiful yeah um so my poll is going to be of course from my chalks of kikango deck because it's my favorite oracle deck (laughs) and I can't help myself (laughs) um so the card that I pulled is energetic footprint. Um, and one of the messages that she has in the book is literally you reap what you sow. So to me, it goes hand in hand with, you know, everything that we've been saying. If you allow yourself 
to be happy with the bare minimum, with the crumbs that everyone is giving you, you're not going to ever be able to feel good inside or be the person that you're meant to be or even really express yourself and, and, and hold yourself as sacred in the ways that you should. So it's kind of like really thinking about it and really doing the work. In this spiritual journey that we're taking, we're taking time to reflect and see all of the patterns that we have and all of the patterns that have been kind of like recycling themselves within our lives. And when you take the time to really see these patterns and really reflect on these patterns, you're able to cut those cycles. You're able to stop those cycles. You're able to essentially change the aspect of the energy that you're drawing into yourself. You know, you're changing your energetic footprint. You're changing it to something more uh, along the levels of like abundance and happiness and joy and, and prosperity and self-care and self-love. And you're shifting the narrative in a sense. And as you continue to shift all of these things, and as you continue to do all of this work, you are literally paving the way for the people around you, for the people in your community to also do this work, because you're a reflection of the community that you're in. And in doing this, I've noticed that when you learn more about yourself, you learn more about spirituality, you learn more essentially of what it is to be energy and draw energy into yourself. You tend to want to share that information with the people around you. Oh, yeah. Both Definitely. because you're excited about it as hell, because you have this understanding, but also because you want to share this understanding with the people around you. And this puts you in a position to be like a leader in your community, a voice in your community. And this gives you the opportunity to just shift everyone along with you and be the cycle breaker that I'm pretty sure that the majority of you who listen to us, you guys are the cycle breakers, oh, you yeah. know, so just really be mindful of what it is that you want to bring into yourself. What, what are the seeds that you're planting? What is it that, what fruits do you want to grow from these seeds? Because if you continue to allow yourself to accept the bare minimum and be in these relationships that are causing you to doubt yourself and causing you to feel so unworthy, then nothing is going to change and the cycles are just going to keep repeating. But if you put in that work and you decide, you know what, this is scary as hell, but I'm going to take this fucking leap of faith and I'm just going to keep moving and I'm going to hold myself as sacred. The possibilities, as Chas said, are literally, literally endless and so open for you. And change is such a beautiful thing when you actually open yourself up to be able to receive it and allow it. Yep. And I couldn't have said it any better. Again, this is a really great series and I'm glad that we're doing it. And as you can see, there's always so much to cover. So we had to break this up in parts once again. And I'm yeah. looking forward to next week. And I'm sure all of you are too. Again, thank you to everyone that's been listening and, and giving us feedback and so on and so forth. You know, we, we do this for you guys. Uh, yeah. So with that being said, guys, this is Deep Soul Awakenings. Until next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode and continuing on this journey with us. Be sure to join our growing communities on Facebook and Instagram. We can't wait to have you back with us next week. Thank you for allowing us to be your voice. Until next time, remember to take care and be kind to yourself.